Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Benjamin Franklin said that you cannot deny the effects of Christianity on a culture. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. You know, just having celebrated our anniversary as a nation uh, several weeks ago, uh, what I call the National Day of Civil Disobedience, or what we call July the 4th, you know, it always makes me reflect. I, I really do get a little reflective because I've read so much history, and uh, I have to reflect on the bravery and the courage of our founding fathers, some who were not believers, but many who were absolutely believers. Their stories and their lives are amazing. They're full of sacrifice they're people that uh, the things they were resisting really would not have affected their lives much, but they affected the lives of other people around them. Uh, they were revolutionaries. They rejected the status quo, and they understood their potential actions uh, or their potential silence would have grave consequences either well, either way. And uh, these men and women, they were they were not perfect. Uh, uh, they they had their flaws. They had their wrong reasonings. They had, you know, relational rivals. You know, they they were not perfect, but they were men and women of very high ideals. And the fact that they sacrificed so much, uh, and we are the evidence of that. Still, even with all our calamity, uh, the greatest nation on earth, though we're sliding quickly, I must say. The fact that these men and women are forgotten and even assaulted, their reputations are even maligned, excuse me, had a tongue-twisting moment there, uh, really is not serving our future well. I think it's okay to say, you know, that person was really good in this area, but they weren't so hot in this other area. But there's there's an area that we can learn from them in rather than tear down their statues. You know, that seems to be the, the cancel culture mentality of it. I am personally a big fan of the Adamses, our second and sixth president. I have studied them a lot. I, I have read uh, a lot of volumes about each one of them going back many years. They were both people of extreme intellect. I mean, John Quincy Adams, you know, had to be, you know, one of the smartest men, probably the smartest man intellectually of his generation. And and, and and maybe, you know, one of the smartest men of all time, his ability in so many different fields of languages and science and, and just, just amazing intellects. And John Quincy, without a doubt, was a committed believer as well. Uh, you know, one of my favorite stories about uh, integrity is that John Adams, you know, our second president, and people forget this, you know, he was a lawyer. He defended the soldiers at the Boston Massacre, the British soldiers that were arrested for shooting on people and killing some, okay, at the Boston Massacre. John Adams defended them because he believed the law was being uh, used unjustly against them, that they were following orders, that they were made to be scapegoats. And listen... He was not a popular guy for doing that. I mean, the libertarians around him and his, what we'd call his conservative friends today and the, the future Americans and revolutionaries, I mean, he was not, 
He was not thought highly of, but he was such a man of high ideal and of the law and of principle. He said that these men deserved uh, to be defended properly. And listen to this. Not only did he defend those guys, you know, he got those guys off. <laughs> and imagine that that jury that he had to face, and he got those guys off. That That's an amazing story, but it really speaks about moral and intellectual courage and integrity. And I think that's the type of thing we should be uh, celebrating. Uh, you know, that, that that's just an amazing thing to me. And today we must understand that the substance of what is now, now called, and you're, heard, you're hearing this term more, critical race theory. It's been around for a long time, but now that, that moniker is really being used. Critical race theory is basically the undermining the foundation of all our good and excellent history by pointing out some of its failures. Well, all history is failure. The great Billy Graham had failures. Okay, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he wasn't perfect, okay? Uh, the Apostle Paul had, had failures. I'm sure he wasn't perfect, okay? The mother of Jesus was not perfect, okay? Uh, so the imperfect people, that, but that does not undermine the fact of what the majority of their life stood for and what they did. And what critical race theory teaches is that because... Uh, our founding fathers had problems in the old things. They, they should be completely obliterated. And, of course, they should be now the people who should have the second great American founding. Okay? And uh, this is not a good situation. Obviously, the people that participated in slavery and outright prejudicial actions while maintaining other forms of civility and even nobility, these people need to be examined very closely if for no other reason that we look at them and say, look, how could somebody be so right on one thing and so completely absurdly wrong on another thing? We should study those people, okay? And unfortunately, there there are lessons that need to be learned there. Uh, and what critical race theory teaches is that slavery was not just an, an aberration that was like a slow-growing cancer, which, which I believe it was because it was not dealt with on the front end, uh, but it was intentionally built into the system, okay? And that, you know, like when our framers said, you know, liberty and justice for all, they were intentionally excluding people from that rather than failing to see that they had to do something to include people in them. And so what I believe is that the criticism and failure of the past needs to be redemptive and educational. Let's take a look at how this happened, why it happened, who were the players in it. And of course, that's where the whole concept of white privilege uh, comes from. Of course, if the doctrine of white privilege was true, then every white person will be doing great and every black person or person of color would be doing bad. And uh, we know that's obviously not the truth. Uh, we've had a black president in America. We have black senators, black congressmen, black Supreme Court justices, black CEOs and executive, you know, black entertainers that are very popular. So we know that that doctrine, when it comes just down to the, the gut level, 
is not true and it's not accurate. What I'm talking to you about today is understanding where this critical race theory is going and why in their mind only a revolution uh, can deal with it. It really is Marxist in its, in its truest sense because it focuses on materialism and material gains as opposed to any type of moral gain or, or character gain, okay? Uh, and you know what? Even if uh, there was somebody who's alive today, and I'm sure there are, whose who's great-great-great-grandparents, I guess would be the accurate way at this point, were slaveholders, that doesn't make them guilty. As a matter of fact, Ezekiel 18, chapter 18, verses 19 and 20 and beyond, talk about uh, children not being held uh, liable for the sins of their father. Now, if it's an honor, if they're continuing in that, then of course that's going to go to the second and third and, and generations beyond. And you know, when this whole thing started really breaking and is still going on, we saw many leaders line up to apologize for crimes they never committed and things they didn't do. I don't want somebody apologizing for me if I didn't do anything. And they thought that that would be an olive branch because they thought they were dealing with reasonable people. But instead of it being an olive branch, it became another log on the fire. And the media has given the microphone to the victimizers and those that want to make more victims uh, based on this Marxist ideology, which basically is this. If I don't have it, it means you took it. I mean, that sums up critical race theory, and and Black Lives Matter. I don't have it because you took it. Again, if you look at people that have prospered and people that have not prospered, their theories would be wrong. That's not to say that in certain places and in certain instances from certain people that black people, just because of the color of skin, have not been given a fair shake. And as believers, that's what we've got to make sure, that there's no prejudice in us. And if we see any prejudice just because of the color of somebody's skin, that we speak up about it. And we can't deny that it has happened. I, for one, believe we're in an upward spiral in those areas. I think there's less of that. I think what they're doing is actually causing more of that. You know, the media, uh, you know, they don't want to hear from people like Ben Carson and Ben Watson who have much to say. But, you know, when you listen closely to the critical race theory people, there is something that is really missing from their argument, and that is this. Uh, you don't hear about George Washington Carville. You don't hear about Dr. King. Why? Because their theories totally disagree with what they're projecting right now. You know, Dr. King was fam famous for saying the ultimate moral victory would be when man would be judged by the content of his character, not by the color of his skin. And when they're forcing uh, this kind of corporate guilt down people's throat uh, and denying that they have any good in them because they're white, that is racism to its nth degree. And so these glaring omissions really convict them. You know, I would highly recommend uh, anybody you're having these debates with, and with yourself, go online, get a copy of Dr. King's little pamphlet, A Letter from a Birmingham Jail. Listen to me, it is worth reading. It is eloquent. It is eye-opening. 
but it shows you how far off this movement is right now. It's not a civil rights movement. It's a Marxist movement, and we need to identify it as such. And one of the things that it wants to do is cut us off from our past so that we will not be able to find our future. Hey, we've got to know history. History should be his story. And we see Jesus very evident in the lives of many of our founding fathers and the morality that they brought. You know, I like Benjamin Franklin's quote, who never pretended to be a Christian. He said, though he was not a Christian, you could not deny the effects of Christianity on a culture. Hey, this is Keith Tusi. Uh, hey, if you haven't ordered my book yet, please go to our webpage and order my book, The God Who Intervenes. I think it's an inspiring read that will encourage you to really uh, grow close in listening and obeying the Holy Spirit. Uh, share this with somebody if you think it will be a blessing. Great to spend some time with you. Today, Keith had a discussion about critical race theory. Our founding fathers were brave and courageous men who understood that their actions or their silence would have grave consequences either way. It's okay to acknowledge that these men were really good in one area and not so great in another, but we can learn from them rather than tearing down their statues. You can find Dr. King's book, Letters from a Birmingham Jail, on Amazon. Also, you can order Keith's book, The God Who Intervenes, on our website, nrpastors.com, under the Equip tab. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.